0: Come across the airways the podcast dedicated to giving weekly tv shops and reviews go with news and opinions god the entertainment industry i'm dan schmidt your host done with me is a guy who is excited to hit the high seas with walkers and survivors with our season premiere of the fear of the walking dead my co-host hey
1: everybody it's nico and welcome to across the airways on this week's episode we continue our coverage of the spring 2016 tv season with our review of the season premiere of fear the walking dead an episode of castle michael's review of two episodes of supernatural and the penultimate and season finale of sleepy hollow and our sitcom section, including an episode of Modern Family and the Big Bang
0: Theory. Yes, but first we've got to dive right into our news with Nico section that
1: has all sorts
0: of exciting stuff, including Game of Thrones, having its own after show, got HBO following the show, production of Sherlock season 4, which we will be reviewing, the first trailer for Rogue One, which has me very excited, the possibility Yoda could return in episode 8, Got some exciting stuff about the Doctor Who spinoff class, which is going to be the British variation of Buffy. so that might be something we might check out, we'll see see how it fits with the schedule so we're going to talk about all of that and more including stuff about dr strange get our news with the eco section
1: game of thrones to have an official after show we can now add game of thrones to a seemingly unending list of fan favorites with after shows like the recently announced after the black after show before it that's the one for orphan black though hbo has announced its own show after the thrones in conjunction with the recent partnership with bill simmons the former espn host inked a deal with the network last year and this show seems to be the first of many ventures that are part of it the show will be hosted by longtime thrones podcasters and former great landers andy greenwald and chris ryan whose watch the thrones cast has evolved into an overall TV-centric series called The Watch on Simmons' latest site, The Ringer. After the Thrones will begin coverage with the season premiere on April 24th, where each episode will be available on Mondays on HBO Now, HBO Go, and HBO On Demand, as well as other affiliate portals, though I'm not exactly sure what that means as of yet. It will also air on the main HBO channel, though there's no confirmed date or time for that either. After shows are hardly a new phenomenon, but their increased popularity and existence is an indication of how much of the cultural conversation is shaped by fan discussions of television beyond the water or at work the next morning don't forget that in addition to this new after show you can get all the game of thrones content you could ever want by listening to our Thronescast podcasts, podcast usually on tuesday or wednesday after the episode airs rogue one a star wars story's first trailer is here the rebels are coming the rebels are coming good morning america premiered the first trailer for rogue one a star wars story and boy what a world this first look centers on felicity jones character Jin erso and my one word reaction to this is awesome the film directed by gareth edwards is the first star wars spinoff in other words the first of the movies in the universe not to focus on a skywalker no pressure there set in the years before a new hope the story centers on a group of resistance fighters working to steal the plans of the first death star you know the plans r2d2 and c-3po carried from the tantive 4 to tatooine and the first trailer gets right to the nitty-gritty Jin, Jin, erso seems to have a bit of a criminal record it looks like her actions have caught the attention of the rebellion and one of the first shots includes mon mothma recruiting her mon freaking mothma how about them apples even in the mere two minutes rogue one looks like a star wars movie and also like nothing we've ever seen before this isn't about the world of the jedi this is about soldiers on the ground sometimes on the ground running away from AT-ATs, apparently working to complete this mission As As the last shot teases, it may even mean going undercover. Make sure to follow the link in the ACC feed to watch the trailer immediately or for the hundredth time. Sherlock season four begins out of the smoke it appears like a ghost the return of BBC one and PBS masterpiece mystery is back apparently television production is afoot on Sherlock season four as evidenced by the video co-creator Mark Gaddis posted on Wednesday there's plenty to get excited about even with the minimal information provided in the video in the ACC feed according to the video's description for example Sherlock will return to screens with three brand new episodes promising laughter tears shocks surprises and extraordinary cases and will find Sherlock back on British soil as Dr. Watson and his wife Mary prepare for their biggest ever challenge becoming parents for the first time something tells me sherlock is not going to be happy about this loss of attention from the watson household the gist of the season will center on the ghosts of the past that are rising in the lives of sherlock holmes and john watson bringing adventure romance and terror in their wake but it won't be anything new as according to stephen moffat and gaddis this is the story we've been telling from the beginning a story about to reach its climax elsewhere in the sherlock verse it was recently announced that rachel Talalay will become the first ever woman and an american to boot to direct an episode of the series Talalay is no novice when it comes to Stephen Moffat's work having previously directed some of the best episodes of last season of Doctor Who in addition to her work on other shows like The Flash Legends of Tomorrow and Supernatural Will Yoda return in Episode Eight? Earlier this week, Star Wars Episode Eight director Ryan Johnson teased the return of Mass Katana. But what if she's not the only small but powerful Force user coming back to the film? That's right, the original Master Jedi himself, Yoda, could be making a comeback. While Star Wars: The Force Awakens didn't explicitly say which planet Luke Skywalker was hanging out on, the ancillary material has identified the planet as Akto, the site of the very first Jedi temple. And why would Luke spend so much time there after his worst student ever, Kylo Ren, destroyed the Jedi Academy? The theory is that Akto may be inhabited by the force ghosts of several dead jedi including the beloved jedi master yoda star wars rebels fans have been able to enjoy frank oz's voice once again which would hopefully mean that he'd be up for reprising his role in episode 8 as well the force awakens director j.j abrams even had him record new dialogue for his film before he ultimately decided on using the old audio clips of yoda for Rey's force vision has the time finally come for yoda to return to episode 8 i would love that idea of the temple on Octo being where the force ghosts live and congregate and that is why luke sought out his masters after the failure with Ben Solo and Kylo Ren. Doctor who's spin-off class will be like British Buffy. As we wait with bated breath and on pins and needles and uh, and with other well trod metaphors for excitedly waiting for the announcement of Doctor Who's new companion, we've been given a really good consolation prize. The cast list and general premise for the spin-off show class has been announced by the BBC. We already knew the spin-off would be aimed at a young adult crowd, as evidenced by showrunner Patrick Ness's novel writing background, and we knew it would take place at the legendary Colehill School which was where everything started back in 1963. But I can honestly say I'm way more intrigued after reading this teaser. What if your planet was massacred and you were the sole survivor? What if a legendary figure out of space and time found you a place to hide? But what if the things that want to kill you have tracked you down? And worst of all, what if you haven't studied for your exams? So from this, you can extrapolate that the doctor placed one or more of the new characters in Cole Hill School for safekeeping, but maybe it's not so safe anymore, which is interesting. The cast for the new show is comprised mainly of newcomers. Greg Austin, Al Said, Sophie Hopkins, and Vivian Obra. The teacher will be played by Happy Valley's Catherine Kelly, and she's described as a powerful new presence at Cole Hill School. Whether she's friend or foe is probably going to be a big part of the series. The four students are going to have to deal with their own fears and normal teenage problems like family, friends, school, work, sex, and sorrow with each of their own dark secrets, and the fact that the universe might stop existing if they mess up. The very walls of Cole Hill have become thin after all the time traveling that's happened there, and some dark forces pressing in on them, trying to break into the world sounds sort of familiar yes executive producer Stephen moffat proclaimed class is dark and sexy and right now i've always wondered if there could be a british buffy it's taken a brilliant patrick ness to figure out how to make it happen those are some mighty strong words to invoke mr moffat but from the sound of it it does seem a bit like buffy in the doctor who universe class will air on bbc3 in the uk and bbc america here in the us no word yet on canada but i'm guessing it'll be the space channel which will air galaxy quest revival at amazon halted in wake of alan rickman's death amazon's galaxy quest revival has been put on hold sam rockwell who played guy fliegman in the 1999 sci-fi comedy revealed on chris hardwick's nerdist podcast that the project was halted in the wake of co-star alan rickman's death they were going to do a sequel on amazon rockwell said we were ready to sign up and then alan rickman passed away and tim allen wasn't available he has last man standing and everybody's schedule was all weird it was going to shoot like right now and how do you fill the void of alan rickman that's a hard void to fill the galaxy quest movie movie revolves around cast members of a star trek like series that had long been off the air during a fan convention appearance they encountered a group they think are cosplayers but who are really thermians aka aliens who need their help solving an intergalactic incident robert gordon who penned the original galaxy quest script penned the pilot and was set to executive produce alongside director dean Parasot and the film's ep mark johnson and melissa bernstein i'm sad that this was halted but it just wouldn't have been the same without alan rickman so as much as i would love to see more galaxy quest not without alan rickman Doctor Strange takes to streets in new set photos. After experiencing the crumbling of friendships in May's Captain America Civil War Marvel fans will take to the world of magic this November with Doctor Strange starring Benedict Cumberbatch as the Sorcerer Supreme A few months ago we got to see Cumberbatch in costume for the first time and now we have some behind the scenes pics featuring the costume in action. Here is Cumberbatch's Strange and Baron Mordo in an original photo tweeted by director Scott Dickerson. A few more photos have leaked on Twitter as well. While the pics don't tell us a lot other than Strange and Mordo team up at some point during the film probably in the beginning. Seeing Cumberbatch in action gets me all the more excited about this for this fall. Doctor Strange also is starring Rachel McAdams and Tilda Swinton and will open on November 4th. Gilmore Girls revival Melissa McCarthy set to return as Sookie after months of will she or won't she speculation Melissa McCarthy has agreed to reprise her role as Sookie in Netflix's forthcoming Gilmore Girls revival McCarthy made the news official on Friday's Ellen and you can watch the video in the link in the ACC feed back in February Sherman Polidino cited McCarthy's effing busy schedule as the reason the actress wasn't written into the four part continuation adding but the thing I have said to her team is look if Melissa is available and has an afternoon free I'll write her a scene Melissa was one of us if she has a spare moment moment to run over to the set even if just for a cameo we would be totally game and if it's a last minute thing i can write her in and we can figure it out that's the way we left it sherman paladino re-extended that invite this week in an interview with entertainment weekly and according to sources mccarthy will tape her appearance in the coming days and that's the news with nico for this week
0: all right so with that we're going to get into the other walking dead show which i kind of just want to get over with because i want the answers to the questions that the original show left for us but hopefully this show we get us just as excited as excited get enthralled with the characters on this program Good as we did with the characters got the original show and hopefully we will be ending the season screaming, oh my god, don't leave us in the dark with this show either. So let's talk about the fear, the Walking Dead episode that inspired our title of the episode as The Love Boat, the episode entitled Monster.
1: In the second season premiere, the families flee a burning Los Angeles on Strand's yacht, as Strand r- remains mysterious. Meanwhile, the group encounters dangers at sea.
0: Alright, so this episode, I the walking dead, the season premiere, pretty much started out with us saying goodbye to LA. As the military came in, guys blew it up. Suddenly the characters got this show to the high seas, got the love boats filled with walkers and gore. Guys, we got this nice walker kill with a motorboat engine. And then I was like screaming at the TV, why the heck are you taking the body of, God of Travis's ex-wife on the boat when she could become a walker? I honestly thought this was going to turn out to be a problem for the group on the show, but it did not happen. Did you have the same concern with the taking a dead body on the board when we know what happens in this universe?
1: You know, I wasn't because I saw the gunshot in the head. So I, I knew okay. that she wasn't going to come back, but I was concerned that they were wasting time with that while they were under attack and they lost True. out on about half their supplies because they had to leave them on the shore when Nick came back with the Zodiac. So essentially because Chris was unable to accept it or unable to leave the dead body of his mother, they lost out on half the supplies they had on the on the beach. That's a big loss, and that's they're yeah. going to feel that. So I think that was the more important thing than thinking that it was going to come back as a walker, because I was pretty sure that they know at this point that you got to kill the brain, right.
0: hit him in the head. I forgot if they knew a dead body could come back. So I was like, is this work? Is it not work? So they with the gunshot, wound, that just kind of solves everything. Yeah. Could I follow this character kind of thing? For this episode, they sort of resorted back to the old classic walking dead tropes a little bit. With the debate between Madison and Travis, cover stopping to save people. get questioning if a member of the group, you know, is his oh sure gets it straight. However, I was glad to see with this stuff that Travis finally got over his no-kill policy and accepting the rules of this post-apocalyptic world. Because I think that if stuff kept going, we would get annoyed with this main character to the point where we would begin to think he should be killed off cover sheer stupidity. Nico, you know, were you glad at the result? go Travis being forced to kill his ex-wife before she turned? Made it wind up to the rules of a post-apocalyptic world?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that, you know, know it was a it was a good move to have him later talking to daniel about how it was a mercy to his wife that he, yes. killed, that he killed her and that he had wished daniel had wished he had had the opportunity to do the same with his wife that he had been able to put her out of her misery and not be separated from her when she died and was turned so I, yeah I, I mean i think it was a good move to get travis off the no kill no kill for walkers i think we're gonna see, exactly. i think we're gonna see him tr- have a lot of trouble and struggle again when they go up against what i think is going to be the, some pirates in the yes. some modern day high seas pirates is where i think this is going to go and uh, uh yeah and, i i think it, i think it's good i think it's good because like you said we were going to be really upset and, and frustrated with him if he was still at this point after everything they've been through trying to save the walkers or trying to not kill walkers no they they had to realize it and yes. I, I, you mentioned it before but that that kill with the propeller was awesome yes. nick's kill that, that probably is the best walker kill in this series so far all of last season and this
0: season yeah i agree i agree that was that was pretty good i think there'll be more to come i also think travis is gonna get angry at some people because i think like madison and nick and strand and uh, the old man there are people that are going to just start killing the pirates they're not going to hesitate if that's what happens if that's good attack and we're indeed right that this is a dangerous threat
1: yeah i think if it's an attack travis will be right on board with everybody but if it's just they they come up and strand opens fire on them then yeah we're gonna have a problem
0: yeah okay it's gonna be interesting but again could get it, maybe that situation where you may pay the price for not attacking first. But then again, on the original show, attacking first didn't work out so well this season. Right. So we'll see what that costs. You know, I was glad to see the old man, whose name is escaping me at the moment. Can you remember?
1: I, I want to say that it's Daniel, but I I'm Daniel, not... that's right. I think you that's correct. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Daniel. I liked seeing him still continue to act as the mentor of the group, especially the Travis. Got to see him act in the same capacity for Chris. I think it was one of the few scenes where that character was tolerable, at least to me. But I can't shake this feeling that the old man's eventually going to sacrifice. Crisis. For Travis's family, got his daughter to make right the wrongs. he committed all Salvador. And I think we said it all last season. Because well, I and mean, are you kind of gonna say more with your observations. Call the man? Yeah,
1: but I'm not sure that he needs to sacrifice himself to redeem himself. Okay. I think I think he's I think he's done that. I think by saving this family so far, he's yeah. he's righted any wrongs that he might have done, and he's gonna his his daughter safer as long as possible. She was kind of just there in this episode. I think that's gonna right. change coming up. But in this episode so far mercedes mason she as the ophelia character was just kind of there as i said and and now i think she's going to become a bigger part later in the season and i think they're going to have something there with her and nick i just don't know
0: yeah it's gonna be weird yeah maybe nick wants something i don't know about her
1: well she seemed not interested at all in talking to him or anything in right. this episode but then I think she warmed up to him after he had some actual decent advice about how to take care of her wounds and everything so yeah. I, 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 think, I think that's got turned around yeah I think they're going to be friendly I don't know if there's going to be any romance or anything like that I don't think we need that at this point but I do think everyone needs to bond and become a group like we have you know in the, in the Fit Six season of the, the original show where they are they are a family this needs to become a large family
0: got they Trying to quit there with the dinner scene we have. Yeah,
1: exactly. Because
0: there's hints of it. It's not like they're not doing it or disregarding it. It just needs to build up. And I question if we're just impatient because we know where it needs to go based on the other Because we wanted to get there. Yeah. But, but I'm not sure. Okay, um, moving on. You know, Nick was the character that we thought was going to die over some of the stupid stuff he did regarding his drug addiction last season. And we just don't like drug addiction stories on television. Can I think we made that abundantly clear on several of the discussions. Okay, not just on this show. But now I'm kind of wanting Chris to be. Be killed for stupidity because if he doesn't get his crap together, someone's going to get hurt or the group's going to be pretty up done. Dangerous. I mean, we already saw it here with him not being able to get rid of the mother's body because i'm leaving a whole bunch of supplies good stuff on store. That was a problem. And then he jumps in the water at the end of the episode like he's going to commit suicide or something. So, do you agree with my opinion, cut Chris, especially with him of screwing everybody over with him. the suicide attempt I just mentioned in this episode?
1: You know, we talked quite a bit last year when this show first started about how much we did not like the Nick character and a lot of that was that we were just so sick of the stereotypical drug addiction on television and the way that that was portrayed. And they, in those first couple episodes, it was, it was brutal. I mean, it was, it was bad. And I I don't remember exactly when it was. I think it was sometime around the time he probably met Strand. Yeah, I agree. That they really fixed the Nick character. And that was very evident in this episode, Will, when he was first starting in the episode and heading back and running the Zodiac and doing the, the trips back and forth and even Strand said when he got everybody off the beach and there was an attack and everything and he's like that a boy Nick that a, you know it's like yes yeah. finally this character is not worthless and I think he's going to be one of the stronger characters on the show now and I think probably Chris is going to get somebody else killed. I don't know who that's going to be. Maybe it'll be some new red shirt that they bring in to the group for that purpose alone. But I do think Chris is going to get somebody killed, and maybe that'll fix his character as well. But if it doesn't, then, yeah, it, he's probably going to get himself killed because I don't know what his deal was. Yeah, I understand his mother was killed yesterday in, in the store, you know, and so he, but was, was, like, he was in shock. What's
0: that? I said it was just kind of like, move on already, dude.
1: Yeah, that's easy for us to say watching the I show. Know. But, because, I mean, if your mom was killed by your dad, you would your world would fall right. apart. Your world would fall apart. And he doesn't understand the walkers until he understands yeah. them, until he really understands what it means to be a walker and to see somebody change from just a normal person into a walker. When he sees that, he's going to understand what his dad had to do and why he had to do it. But until that point, it's going to eat at him. And he's, he said to his dad, I could have done something. No, you couldn't. She was already infected. She was dead. Your yeah, dad you killed do it her because... She He didn't want, and she didn't want to turn into one of those monsters. But he doesn't understand that yet. So in his mind, his dad killed his mom when there was still a possibility
0: of saving him. But the thing to me is, like, people should know zombie lore. Comedy shows. like, I just I know common sense. Even if in this world, it's like zombie. somebody gets bit, they get infected. Like that's just common sense to me.
1: You got to remember that at this point in the series, they don't know what it is. They don't know. They don't know they're zombies.
0: Kevin Seed, like Night of the Living Dead.
1: Well, we don't know that that even exists uh, in their their world their pop culture so yeah i mean i i don't have a problem with them not understanding it it's a matter of they have to once they see something once they go through it they're gonna figure it out and they're gonna understand and okay, we can't a
0: through a tv world
1: that's why i think we had such a problem with the first season was there were so many stupid moves but that's to be expected you know
0: because they don't know as much as the characters it's got the original show
1: exactly and that's that was our problem was we were expecting them to be experienced and you know veteran you know what to do right yeah
0: because we we're kind of getting there with some characters others. Well, we aren't, I guess. Yes, yes. But in talking about Nick, really, I'm kind of wondering if he's going to become, I don't know if he's going to be strong kind of a character, but if he's going to become that kind of Daryl Glenn combination character on the show. Because really, it made him look stupid for him to swim inside that boat, and it got to yell a lot of that. was probably about, okay, we can put walkers in the water. Let's do some scary, freaky stuff with that. But I think he was smart to do it because there were supplies in it they could use. But I think that Yacht Log, is going to get them bottom of a pitch in a future episode. And I think that's going to be very helpful to the group. And plus, on top of that, he saved Chris is bacon and his family's bacon earlier on in the episode. So the I mean, the question is, with Nick, who's improved great big time, first in the early part of the first season, do you think Nick is going to become that break classic case of emergency character who can step up and save the day when all hell breaks loose?
1: I do. I, I do think Nick is going to be very similar to the Glenn and Daryl character early on, where they come in and, and save the day for someone like Travis, or in this case it was Chris. Nick jumped in the water and And went after him and I don't know if he changed Chris's mind about swimming away and trying to get away from the family or the group or whatever or if it was genuinely Chris is just so stupid he didn't realize swimming at this time was not a good idea but right. Nick heard somebody in the boat. He thought to go and save them and it, at the very least, maybe grab some of the supplies. And that yacht log, I think, is going to tell the group what happened to them. You know, they're going to know that a group came and attacked them and left them to turn. And uh, what the, the techniques and, and strategy of this group that's coming after them is, how they attack, how they, they work. And because they know that, they're going to be much better positioned than this boat was. And they won't, they won't fall prey to whatever these people are going to try and pull on them so I, I think that you're absolutely right by getting that yacht log it's it's going to be it's going to save them and I think think you're absolutely right it's a good move to put Nick in the, in that better position I think it makes him a better character
0: so that's where Daniel could step in with his military background can help them figure out how to deal with this yeah he and
1: Strand will probably have a, a plan
0: okay okay if they're able to work together
1: right exactly
0: because, you know, we have Daniel kind of questioning Strand, and he is that big character that the, the group is questioning that, you know, they always gotta have on Walking Dead. And really, with Strand improving Nick's character such, I'm really hoping he doesn't turn out to be a villain, because, although he has a far different personality, I just think that happening could just be a retread of what went down, which all the original series. Right. Plus, I just really like these interactions with Nick. Could I be mean, really lot the character, back around to the point. Where he's likable. there's probably a lot that could be worked with writing and story-wise between these two guys, because more history about Strand comes out. I think you've got some good stuff there. Because this is one of the best relationships. Comes a series at this point, because the most interesting to me, all. but from my point of view, I actually think Strand is on the group side because there were a few moments where he gave Gus that he's actually scared of all what's going on. Can you relying on Nick? Because set the example that keeps it curious. Can you think Strand? Because like an okay guy, and is the character likable? Is the like and is the character too like? To end up as
1: I think Strand was a bad guy. Like I think he was a drug smuggler yes. and had done some really bad stuff. I think that prepared him for the apocalypse. I think that ap- prepared him for this new world. I think he's going to be a good guy in the sense that he is going to be a member of this team. He saved all of these people by getting them to this boat. And when push comes to shove, he is on their side. He's got some very distinct ideas about how to keep everyone safe and what the rules of the boat are, he gave them out. This is my boat. This is my boat. And in case you forget, this is my boat. <laughs> yeah. But ultimately, I think I do think he's on the side of the group, and he's going to keep everyone safe, despite the fact that some of them are doing stupid things. He's. I think he's going to be a good guy. I don't know if he's going to be a good guy, but I think he's going to be on the side of the group. And, and in that sense, he's going to be part of our good guys.
0: And well, we, We've seen characters on the show that have done bad things before. And they end up becoming the hero of the story, or bigger heroes. Quite, quite Daryl. Again, Daryl didn't want to do a lot of the things that he ended up doing. that Merle made him do, but I think uh, Strand is the guy who really did bad things. Because he was made to, because he was either greedy or a drug dealer or something like that. But again, even Merle, who was a character that we really, really, really did question, he turned out to be a good guy in the end. Right. I mean, he did help them out in the end. And I think if they go there always Strand, then we'll see what happens. But I think this is a character that you need to build the show around. Can keep around for a while because he is very interesting.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's any going to be anything like Shane because Shane would have been. A- a good was guy well he would have been a good guy if rick had never come back he would have been the guy who was in the rick position he would have been but when rick came back he threatened shane's power his influence and his connection with Lori. and ultimately it was that that pushed shane over the edge and turned him into a bad guy so since there isn't anything any of those forces on strand we're okay. not going to see something similar to that
0: but could there be that's the question
1: well not with this group i think
0: they could I don't think it's
1: yeah they could run into some of his former associates and that could put some strain on him or put he you know they could have his girlfriend or wife or something of that nature in their group and he could turn on our current group to try and get her back or something of that nature but i I just don't know i don't think that i don't think that's logical at this point they'd have to do some major setup work to get us to to believe something like that
0: oh i agree so Finally, I guess Fear the Walking Dead was going for the zombie apocalypse version of the internet stalker manipulating a teenage girl, because I knew it was going to be bad news for the group when Alicia started talking to that guy, Jack, and I'm sure it jacked up the excitement to put a bad pun in there for this new season after the majority of this episode. Quest got a song me. so it's good that we've got a human threat, keep interesting, keep excitement, and make me want to keep watching the show as we embarked on this new season. So Nico, could you think these guys are headed towards the group of trans? Yeah, are they pirates? Leftover zombies from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies? The military Gay Rogue Coast Guard group or the Saviors, California Beach Edition.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I think they are a modern day pirates. I believe that they were people who had access to boats or were able to take someone else's boat and go out on to the water to keep safe. What they didn't realize was that they didn't have, you know, supplies or that they would run out of supplies. So they've turned now to piracy to essentially do what the saviors are doing, you know, to, to keep their supplies up. They're robbing or taking from others and as we saw in this episode they're at this point at least killing everyone else to to do that and I, I think I don't know where they started out as. Maybe they're mil- some of those military people. Maybe they're rogue Coast Guard. All of those are good options.
0: Are they just legit pirates?
1: Well, I don't think they were pirates before the apocalypse. I think that they've become pirates. Whatever they were, they probably at least one or two of them were former military or military at the time. Some of them might have been Coast Guard, so that they, they have the naval experience necessary. And some of them were are just survivors, and they've banded together, much like our group has banded together. And now they're out on the ocean, and they're trying to get as much supplies and serve, make sure that their group survives and in the process they're going after others and preying on the, on the weak and so yeah I mean they're pirates now but I don't think they were pirates for the apocalypse
0: okay so you don't think it was a group that was a pirate group before on the no. Out to the ocean. Okay. No, no, no.
1: I mean, there are pirates out on the ocean now, but there are very few groups. You know, there's Somali pirates that hijack shipping ships and things like that. But I mean, there are not really pirates off the coast of
0: California. Right. There's the Cast of Water World is not out there.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah, they, to get you, but it would be cool. Get somebody, somebody get their hand, get amputate their hand because of a walker bite, and they ended up with a walker or something. Uh, for yeah. hand.
1: Now some people are saying, well, why have they turned to piracy so quickly? And my response to that is, it's not not so quickly. It's It's been a while since the zombies started. It's right. just that in Los Angeles they tried corn and our group were for quite a few weeks. So the, the rest of the world has fallen apart at different rates and some of these places have probably had zombies for multiple months now and they thought, oh, I'm going to go out and get out onto the water and so they've been out on the water for a couple of months now and now they've turned into the pirates.
0: So that's what Daniel Redd's when configuring Madison that asked him, well, is this the end of the world? How's the end of the world going to happen? Because he says well, it's already the end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So was the point saying okay because it's been going on for a while, yeah? It just didn't get to us to that three-week period, yeah?
1: We're, we're a little behind the curve right now, we haven't been out here for the whole, yeah. So that's why I think some of these groups are going to be a little bit more advanced than our group is or, or have been dealing with for a little bit longer. So it's just something to think about as we go forward to remember.
0: Probably makes a heck of a lot of sense, okay? So we did get a little bit of listener feedback. Our good friend Jeff Jania he had us up with some interesting feedback that was kind of fun and reiterated one of our favorite lines,
1: yeah. Jeff Jania said, really enjoyed the season's first episode of Fear the Walking Dead I think that was the first zombie kill by Outboard motor. pretty cool I am totally on Strand's side when it comes to the boat just follow the three rules my boat the rest should be grateful to be on his boat stop trying to tell him what to do it's all fun and game till someone shows up steal a boat
0: yeah that's the exciting thing to wait for next week
1: yeah I think it's gonna be good I think I think adding this human element is exactly yes. what we did. we're getting there a little bit quicker in this series than we did on the original but I think that that's okay we need
0: to actually yeah
1: I think the original set the Stage for us
0: to be ready for it in this, in this one. Right, and because I think it'll help with character development. Can I think that's the big thing that need right now. Yes,
1: yes, absolutely.
0: So that's that's where we're going, and I think that's good. Okay, alright, so now that we've done with Walker Danger on the High Seas, we're going to dive right into talking about the Surprise Diamond in the Rough episode of Castle. That was very good, and it's a shame a lot of people in the Chicagoland area missed out on it because of Breed preempted for the Cubs game. I thought it was a good move because Castle's been weak of late, but this was a strong comeback episode for the show. And really, I've got to say, this is not the show I'm worried about anymore, after the huge blunder that Arrow made, which you can hear all about on our DC Nation podcast. So let's talk about the Castle episode, which actually featured the guest appearance of a former supporting actress on a DC TV show who used to cover Constantine with the episode of Castle entitled Heartbreaker.
2: One of
1: Esposito's old cases is re-examined by Castle and Beckett because of a clue left at the crime scene involving an armored car driver's murder.
0: This was an episode of Castle that started us off in good spirit, with the weight of everything to do with Castle and Beckett, pointless separation off of our shoulders, Concluding as his 40 characters be left in the dark on what the heck was going on between the two of them. And with that concept established, this episode just took off, and continued to get better as it kept going, capturing everything we love about the show, from Castle constantly having to put his foot in his mouth, and the juvenile delinquent relationship he has with Ryan, to the motherly romance between Brian and Esposito. Got some solid sexual tension between Esposito and his thief of an ex-fiancé played by the actress who was Zed on the short-lived series Got NBC Constantine that we used to cover on the DC Nation podcast. Nico, was this just a straight-up, all-around, great episode of Council that really captured all we want to see when tuning into the show? Did it just feel good to have the family dynamic back between the team at the precinct by railing around Esposito to the conflict he faced this week? Obviously, Beckett had to suspend Esposito for the stunt he pulled just out of job. But do you think having her admit that she could have done the same thing felt like a return to the Beck of the mold that we enjoyed watching and raised as a great female character on television?
1: Dan, I enjoyed much of this episode because it did feel much like an episode from the good old days with Castle and the boys goofing around, Espo and Ryan getting in trouble but in a fun way, and the ex-fiance was a fun story until she ended up being the mastermind. Even Beckett was back to being her old self with the really bad joke about the product placement Amazon device that was out to get her and switching it to the male voice and it turning on Castle as a classic cheesy gag that was reminiscent of early castle and beckett hijinks about the only thing i did not really care for was making the ex-fiance turn on espo and be the mastermind behind the entire heist it wasn't a bad story element i just didn't like it personally but like i said it wasn't bad storytelling so ultimately this series seems to be back on the right track and that's a good thing
0: yeah i agree i think it was uh just very it felt classic castle i was interested in enthralled by it the whole time there were some episodes this season where i was just kind of left bored out of my mind where i was just barely paying attention to the episode because it felt so generic or basic just the whole Beckett Castle separation thing just took me out of the episode Yep. and this, I was into it the whole time and enjoyed it it really felt like I was watching good episode, especially from those first five seasons of the show which were just absolutely flawless and going on more about that I also really enjoyed this episode's personal connection because Esposito making the mystery did not feel like so much of a procedure because the police side of the show got the strength of its characters which the writers kind of forgot about during the first half of the season merged into this beautiful symbiotic relationship that used the chemistry between Esposito and his criminal fiance to really explore what makes Gasposino who is my favorite supporting character got this show tick can explain why a good guy like him has really not been able to settle down while showing us aspects of the character's life we really had never seen before can only heard about like his family Nico you're normally a big fan of the castle episodes that are Ryan or Esposito focused can this episode be added to the list for the reasons I just mentioned
1: yes absolutely like I was saying I was loving this episode up until that ex-fiancé turned on him and ran meeting Expo's family Ryan having a standing place at Friday dinner the crazy grandma. All good things that I love about the Ryan and Espo stories. Had it been the happy ending after solving the mystery, I probably would have had, I would not have had any problem with this episode. But as I also said, the fiance being the mastermind behind the crime and then turning on her partner when he threatened Espo was just not my cup of tea. Not bad by any means, just not what I needed to see either. It, it, like I said, it, it wasn't bad. There's nothing wrong with telling that story. I just think they could have gone a lot better way. And I don't want to get into that too much because I think you're going to bring up a point about that in a second. Right. But I'll just say that I think there are ways that they could have told this story that would have fit better into the overall context of the entire series.
0: But it was enjoyable still regardless. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a much better episode than what we've gotten for a while. Oh, for sure. And I, and I liked it. We did it. Jasper yes, Zeno did it. Tell his family about her and what happened. That she had left him and he took that hit. Because that's very fitting to the kind of guy he is. Again, that's something we expect him to do. Again, I really, I didn't mind that it backfired on him. That she ran off and used the shower thing as an Excuse. That's kind of classic Esposito letting his love life get out of control for him. But at the same time, I really wish it would have rather been her leaving because she had Galina on the case and went to help him out. Girl ran off to keep Esposito get his family safe because her being around made you know the family a target for the Great White Shark or that guy that they were after. So I think they could have done her running off and Esposito getting into trouble over that. But I don't know if they need to make her the mastermind. Right. That's my fun. Got my mom watching the episode. She really likes Esposito as a character. She's a big fan of both Ryan and Esposito. Because she kind of wished that there was a way they could have kept Gus Mizzino's ex-fiance, Sonya, around. Because she really liked the chemistry that they had and figured, well, maybe this late in the game, that would be a good ending for Gus Mizzino with her getting out of jail to live a life, to have a life with him. so it seems like they don't want to go towards Glady being the love interest now. But I don't know if that fits with her being a criminal in the way this storyline worked out. What do you think about this, Nico?
1: Yeah, see, if, if the story had gone the way I was thinking, and it appears your mom was thinking as well, Espo would have given her a nice last free and furlough meal, and she would have gone back to prison for the rest of her three-month sentence, and when that that was up, maybe Espo and she could have started up again, and she could have begun to be a part of his life again, or something like that. They seem to imply that he was going to be a part of her life anyhow now, even after she had betrayed him and, and everything that went down in this episode, so wouldn't it have been better if she were not the criminal she was when he busted her, and rather she was actually helping them and was the kind of person Espo would end up with in the end or something like that, like her prison time had changed her, she had gone straight and narrow now, and she wanted to do things where she could actually help Espo and be the kind of person that Espo could fall in love with again or are they somehow going to bring Laney back into his life now and this isn't going to happen I, I just don't know what, what their plan is for him I think they had the scene in the middle if they had done that where she betrayed him and ran off and they had done that at the end and she just went back to prison maybe she could even have gotten out sooner with a message from Captain Beckett recommending her release or thanking her for her help going to the parole board she could have been out in a matter of days or maybe even weeks so that just seems like a better turn of the story to me I, I don't understand why they had to go right. you know and make her the mastermind behind it all
0: yeah again that's just kind of I'm not going to be thinking ahead so much because this show has had to do recently yeah it was kind of like a Diamond in the Rough surprise episode because I don't know if they thought the fiance character was going to be as successful or as or they got as great of a performance kind of the actor as they thought they would because a role like that I mean that they could have they been written for anybody they didn't know that they were going to get the big actors they got for this episode yeah okay good. that, that could have been part of it and I also think of Lane was going to get back in the game she would have had a role to play in this episode more so than, than she did Right. You know, I thought she was going to get involved give in the storyline, or kind of him about what happened or have a role to play in it and it didn't happen which is strange to me agreed but again good stuff with Ryan and Beckett and Council and everybody else and finally speaking of stuff with Beckett I like the comedic side story where Council's artificial intelligence device Lucy acted like it was Joseph Beckett this is a good move to put Beckett back in a humorous role because it reminded that she's not the place. the writers were making her during the first half of the season with the separation, so I hope this allows some of the shippers on the show to forgive her a little bit for those past discretions. Forgive Beckett, I don't know if you're going to forgive the writers, but we'll see how the show wraps up. Also, Nico, I keep forgetting to ask, you know, was Marina McCarran the accredited voice of Lucy? I know for sure Gwyneth was voiced by Seth Green, because I would recognize him from anywhere, especially after playing the game's mass effect, which he's a prominent voice actor and just crunching a lot of robot shipmen. But am I right about Lucy?
1: You know, it would have been great if it had been Inara herself, Marina McCarran voicing Lucy, but alas, it was not. It was Aubrey Plaza who voiced Lucy, and you are correct, of course, that Linus was indeed voiced by Seth Green. Again, this was a massive chunk of cheddar cheese, but in classic Castle style, so I was happy with it as well.
0: It was just a fun at home, basic Castle storyline of him having a new toy to terrorizing people.
1: Yeah, you know, I I agree. I think if Marina had been available at the time or wanted to do it, it would have been a, a fun nod to Firefly again on this series. Because part of me thinks it was her in previous episodes. No, it's it's always been Aubrey. Okay, I, I didn't know she had a connection with Nathan or anything like that because uh, Monsters University oh okay yeah they were in that together and I don't know if Seth Green was also in that but but they were well Seth Green has had Nathan on Robot Chicken oh
0: for sure for sure quite a few times and I know Aubrey's
1: thing. been on yes. Robot Chicken as well yes
0: exactly so that's when they got that connection it's kind of fun to get them and stuff and right away it's like good Seth Green I knew we he was there goes right away that's kind of fun so that was kind of a fun way to, to make us all laugh and who doesn't love Seth Green come on yeah yeah seriously he's, he's a geek guy. so with that we're to hand things over to michael with a big section that he did for us because i really appreciate him doubling up to get that done for us i know he's busy with college schoolwork, and stuff and learning how to do makeup and all kinds of cool things because he's in film school but uh, we do appreciate him coming in and doubling up to do two episodes of supernatural and also wrapping up our reviews of the season of sleepy hollow but ultimately i was kind of pleased where sleepy hollow ended up and michael was too so let's talk about some of that exciting stuff and more as he takes over the show for a little while so take it away michael
2: Hey guys, Michael J. Petty here to talk to you about this week's episode of Supernatural and last week's, Season 11, episode 17 and Episode 18, entitled Red Meat and Hell's Angels, respectively. Last week's Supernatural, Red Meat, was another Monster of the Week episode, this time involving werewolves, hospitals, and Sam's apparent demise. Red Meat was a really exciting episode that constantly had me on the edge of my seat. In fact, one of the things that I found extremely interesting about this episode was that it actually confirms that regardless of what the brothers have said in the past or regardless of the consequences or what they've been through, we see that Dean, well, when he confronts the Reaper Billy about Sam's apparent death, is still wishing his life over Sam's. He would still take Sam's place. He would still make that demon deal from the end of season two where he gets one year and Sam gets back to life. It Obviously, Sam isn't dead and Dean isn't either in this episode, but it's interesting to see that after all they've been through, Dean is still willing to make the same mistakes. That being said, Red Meat was a great episode and I thought a very interesting um, take on the werewolf tale that we've seen so many times here on Supernatural. It definitely kept me on the edge of my seat and kept me engaged. Hell's Angels, however, sees Satan take over Heaven, the Darkness regain her power after that Heaven smiting a few episodes back, and the brothers team up with Crowley to take them both out. Oh, and Rowena's back from the dead, unfortunately. Honestly, I'd say my favorite part of the episode is when Lucifer and Crowley had that cage match inside Cassiel's head. Thank you, Mark Pellegrino, for returning, because I gotta say, his version of Satan Is probably my favorite. Misha Collins is doing a bang up job, don't get me wrong, and Jared Padalecki's was scary as all get out, but Mark Pellegrino, man, I'm telling you. My biggest question in all of this, though, is why doesn't Castiel want to fight? I mean, I get that he thinks Satan is going to help in the fight, but I can't believe that he, Castiel, you know, the ultimate quote unquote fallen angel, thinks that it's a good idea for him to roam free. And by him, I mean Satan. It just doesn't seem to make any sense at all. There's a lot that went on in this episode, but ultimately it ended with Amara kidnapping Lucifer and torturing him in order to lure God out of hiding, which I thought was a very interesting way to end it, seeing as how next week is going to be another Monster of the Week and looks like it's not going to have anything to do with this episode at all, but we will see. To be totally honest, though, the way that Supernatural has portrayed God as this deadbeat dad has always pissed me off and ultimately has taken a lot of enjoyment out of my viewing experience of Supernatural. This episode, once again, does it through the devil in the darkness by not only calling him a liar, but also condemning him for not loving the world anymore. And quite frankly, this couldn't be further from the truth. The truth is that Satan is a liar and will say anything he wants to get his way. And to say that God has left us here to dry and doesn't intervene at all anymore is clearly wrong as well. Colossians 1.17 says, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Now I understand the supernatural is simply a TV show, but unfortunately it's skewing people's view of God, the Bible, and truth. And quite frankly, as a believer in Christ, it's not something I don't I want to stand without correcting and at least sharing the truth. And that truth is that Jesus Christ, God's own son, loved the world so much that he died for it so that whoever believes in him won't perish but instead will have eternal life with him in heaven in paradise forever. And he, Jesus, is my Lord. God didn't leave the building as Supernatural would tell you guys. He's still here and he does love us. He didn't even spare his own son for us. So that's got to tell us something. That all being said though, the past two episodes of Supernatural has been both good and interesting. Red Meat was a great monster episode that reminded me why I got into the show in the first place and Hell's Angel was an episode that reminded me me why I continued to watch it for as long as I did. To be honest, I don't know if I'll watch next season or not. Um, I really don't. But I do know that season 11 has certainly been an interesting insert into the supernatural mythos. Now, if we could only get some conclusion to that bloodline story in Chicago, that would be great. Anyway, all in all, this week's episode and last week's episode of Supernatural, again, were fairly good and mostly very interesting. See you guys next week. Hey everybody, Michael here to talk about this week's episode, along with last week's penultimate episode of Sleepy Hollow Season 3, Episodes 17 and 18, Delaware and Ragnarok. The the penultimate episode of Sleepy Hollow Season 3, Delaware, is a lot of setup for the finale, just like the past two seasons have done. Our main villain, the Hidden One, reaches his godlike state and is about to wipe out all humanity. There's so much that goes on in this episode, including the apparent death of Joe. And after the Hidden One turns Joe into a Wendigo once again, we find out that Papa Mills, Ezra Mills, is actually in on the whole supernatural lifestyle from the get-go, as he informs and equips Jenny of how to cure him. Unfortunately, however, she has to shoot and kill Joe in order to save her father's life. Joe was one of those characters that ever since he first appeared in Season 2 that I just really liked, and I, I don't really know why, maybe it was his relation to August Corbin, but the Wendigo was also one of my favorite villains of Season 2, and to see him show up multiple times throughout the season, as well as Joe being a main character, was something that really helped me to continue watching and enjoying Sleepy Hollow Season 3. Not that the season has been bad, I I wouldn't say that at all. It's been a little long at times, but Joe was definitely one of the parts that I really liked. And I was, although I was sad to see him go, I think it makes sense for the direction they're trying to go with the series. Ever since Abby and Jenny's parents were first mentioned about never being around, I always knew that there was a reason for it, and we find out last season that their mother was actually tormented by demons, which is why she couldn't be around them. Now we have learned that Ezra Mills was friends with both August Corbin and Nevins, and that there was most certainly a reason for his disappearance, although we are never told in these two final episodes of what exactly that is on another note something that i definitely did not want to happen on this show of course happened as betsy ross was resurrected uh as abby and crane go into the catacombs we see that she's been trapped there for centuries similar to how katrina had put ichabod in his time sleep as we saw in season one but um the good thing about it was that betsy ended up going back to her own time as opposed to coming into the present world that we're living in now so there was a difference between her and katrina in that regard and i think the writers have already learned that once you bring a character from the past like Katrina or Betsy into the present, some issues arise. And that's kind of why Katrina went all Dark Willow or Dark Phoenix last season. Actually, on that note, um, my favorite part of the episode was definitely when Ichabod and Abby had their moments on the Delaware slash River Styx, and they were talking about the people that they had lost. And I was happy to see that Ichabod doesn't still fact mourn his wife and son, even though he chooses to be content and happy in who is with him in the present. On to the final episode, though, Ragnarok, because there's a lot to talk about here. In this episode, Betsy Ross, of course, like I said, returns her, her time, thank God, and Ichabod and Abby reform Pandora's box, and in order to defeat the Hidden One, Abby has to give her soul to the box. In doing this, we find that along with Joe in the penultimate episode, Abby is in fact dead. There were a few things that I really liked about this episode, one of which was how actually there were a lot of things I really liked about this episode, but one of which was how Jenny delivered the final blow to the Hidden One after his godlike power was taken out of him by the box. Since Jenny was truly truly the one the Hidden One hurt the most, between having to kill Joe, Joe being turned into what, to a Wendigo, her being used as the vessel for his power earlier this season. Uh, I thought it was fitting that she was the one that ended the fight and she was the one who ended him, which, much like Henry's death, of course, led to Katrina's final battle last season. So much like that brought about a godlike rage in Pandora, where she decided that she wanted to rule the world herself, since her husband could not. It kind of felt like a rehash of last season's finale, but it made a lot of sense, and they wrapped it up fairly quickly, and they paid it all off, in my opinion. Ichabod and Jenny do end up uh, defeating Pandora, though, by summoning the Headless Horseman. Again, this is probably one of my favorite parts of the episode, and the Headless Horseman just beats the crap out of her, uh, and gets allowed to leave, so he's running around now, which is great, because that reminds me a lot of past few seasons, or past two seasons, I should say, where he was constantly a threat to them without being the main focus, and I really Really like that and I think that will be something that we will see in season 4 if there is a season 4 sure. uh, I was very glad that Pandora defeating the Headless Horseman at the beginning of this season in the first episode I witnessed was paid off here and it was paid off very well because he really does slaughter her. In Pandora's final moments though she reveals that Abby is in fact truly dead. A fact that has actually been confirmed by the Sleepy Hollow producers uh, by now which is not too long after the episode airs that I'm recording this it's about 10 minutes after the episode ended so they have confirmed that Abby is in fact dead and that Nicole Berry is is not coming back season. Another part of this episode that I really loved was the moment between Abby and Corbin, where he informs her that her job is done. And Joe gets to reunite with Corbin as well, which was amazing and I really liked that a lot, especially with all of the regrets he's had this season about not being able to see his father. And then there was the final moments between Ichabod Crane and Abby Mills, which put them through their greatest hits, including their first meeting in the jail cell from the pilot. This scene was really heartfelt. I was really happy to get that closure with these two, which helped solidify something that I felt since the beginning of the show that Sleepy Hollow is really at its core about Ichabod Crane. Abby talks about all the people in Ichabod's life who who have really pushed him along for his journey, including herself. She mentions Washington, Franklin, Betsy. I would also put in Katrina, Henry, and Abraham, and now Abby. And they've always been there to move Crane forward to get him to fulfill his destiny. Abby in this moment recognizes that Sleepy Hollow is not about her. It's about the bond of the witnesses, and it's most importantly about Ichabod. Sure, it's always been Abby's destiny to be a witness, but Crane's job is not not yet done, and although they've beat Moloch and the Hidden One slash Pandora, there are still many more tribulations that Ichabod, Jenny, and the rest of Team Witness are going to have face. and this time Ichabod's going to have to face them without Abby. Much like the Slayers in the Buffyverse, Witnesses are chosen when one dies. My theory, and this has been my theory for a long time, is that Jenny Mills will become the next Witness alongside Prank. Here's why. In Season 1, one of the biggest plot points was that of Abby and Jenny encountering Moloch as children in the woods with the four white trees, and the reason he couldn't kill them is explained because Abby was a witness and it was too powerful. However, I don't believe that's entirely true because I think it was actually both Abby and Jenny that had the power of witnesses and they were able to stop Moloch from rising together. When as Mills confronts Crane at Abby's grave, he says that her soul is eternal, that witnesses' souls are eternal souls. And they pass on to the next witness, which is always someone in their bloodline. Part of the reason why I don't think Crane is going to die, at least until the end of the series, is because he doesn't have anyone else in his bloodline at this point in time. His bloodline has been killed off. And in fact, they made sure of it last season when Henry was killed. Crane has to be here until the end, but the other witness, if there's someone else who can fulfill that need, then they can keep getting killed, I suppose. But I don't i don't want that to be the case, especially if it is Jenny. Um, And I believe that the person is going to be Jenny. The, the next witness is going to be Jenny. And I've always thought that Jenny was a prime candidate for being a witness if Abby were ever to die. I mean, the way that Ichabod and Jenny have worked together over the last few years, sure, the partnership has always been Ichabod and Abby, but Ichabod and Jenny really have a really strong bond as well and i think we saw that very apparently in eyewitness at the beginning of the season i think we saw it very apparently at the first few episodes back after the mid-season premiere and i think we've seen that ever since the beginning of the show including the first appearance of jenny where it's actually ichabod that talks to her oh that being said, I hope that they're, Well, I hope that this is where the series goes if it's renewed for a fourth season, which I really hope it is, because I don't want to be force fed a new character like we were with Reynolds and Sophie this season, who replaced Frank and Katrina from last season. And not that Reynolds and Sophie were bad, uh, because I think that they ended up being good characters that paid off in the long haul. But at the beginning, they weren't terribly well received. I'm very interested to see what the Watchers Council, or I'm sorry, I mean the Witness Council, is going to do with Ichabod, and I really hope that our next tribulation will come out of their organization. That being said, all this being said, really, Sleepy Hollow looks to be in a great shape as it wraps up its third season with Crane out there witnessing evil with Jenny by his side, a new witness on the rise, and a Wolfram and like organization on their heels. Please, Fox, renew Sleepy Hollow for season four.
0: Alright, Michael, thanks for joining us, and for your sake, we hope Sleepy Hollow comes back next year, because we know you love the show, and I know it's going to be a void in your life not to have it, but good news is you still out more supernatural, if it stays on track and good, And it is good right now, so I hope it stays that way. So, with that, we're going to do the situation. Comes now. Starting off with a very, very funny episode of Modern Family that I think gave Nico what he wanted to see from Luke and Phil, even though they weren't really paired together in the episode. So let's take away the Modern Family episode, The Party.
1: Manny and Luke babysit Lily so the adults in the family can have some fun, which includes Phil and Mitchell seeing a movie, Claire and Gloria going to a spa, and Jay and Cameron hitting a sports bar to watch a big fight. But Claire suspects the boys are going to throw a party.
0: So this is the type of Luke and Phil episode we like to see because they weren't paired together but did have to get out of trouble. Because Luke's schemes about hiding the party were pretty funny, but I think a rare pairing of Phil and Mitchell stole the show with getting high on gummy bears. The one shot of Haley coming into say I was so drunk I thought they were stoned when they started calling her cupcake was a brilliant example of great me the timing. Can Phil try to use time travel? get his stoned out of temp death? Can Wise TV Danny Tanner Dan's speech just crack me up? Especially when Jay said to the women in camp, haven't you realized these guys have been stoned the whole time? This was an episode that made me have a really good time watching Modern Family this week. There was something that said to me, because of that maybe they should attempt the Mitchell and Phil pairing up again, since it was something different. Nico, what were your thoughts on this episode of Modern Family?
1: Dan, I agree. This was a rare instance where Mitchell and Phil worked so well together, and I especially liked their nerding out on the film they were gonna go to they're trying to hide how high they were from claire and cam luke and manny's brilliant attempts to hide the party from claire when luke knew she was coming home to check it out and luke's brilliant attempt to turn the tables on claire only to then be undone by the cool kid falling out of the window onto the ping pong table all good stuff and probably my favorite episode of the season comedy wise for this show pretty solid laughs from beginning to end and of course solid luke stuff this week which is always my favorite stuff but it's been missing the last i don't know maybe five episodes we haven't really got much luke and this was a great
0: Luke-centric episode. Yeah, my dad and I were just cracking up at some just a random things Phil was saying and doing when he was stoked. Oh, yeah, it was good stuff. It was just funny. You know. Timber did it brilliantly. I mean, I love him as this character. I do. He's kind of the dad that, the fun dad that I think everybody wants to be because he just always comes out sort of on top. Not so much of this episode, but I mean, it just was really funny stuff with him. Great performance for him. And yeah, I agree. This was probably maybe the most hilarious episode to see, in my opinion. Except that one where they were in uh, the house. That yes, the house. yes. Exactly. House, that was pretty good. Yeah, so, you're
1: right. You're right. That probably was maybe even better than this one, but this one was pretty good as well.
0: Yeah, that helps out a game at the end of it too. He's always pretty funny. Agreed. Great.
1: So with that, we're going to dive into a Big Bang Theory episode. They really had some
0: funny Raj stuff. Get some other funny stuff. Get the words with the game of Never, Ever. Um, the Big Bang Theory episode entitled The Big Bear Precipitation. All
1: started with the Big Bang hey! The weekend getaway to a cabin takes a troublesome turn when sheldon reveals a secret about leonard while back at home raj gets a little too gung-ho with pregnancy presents and bernadette and howard have to get him to back off
0: the humor in this episode was made possible by the guru of one-liners who always makes things weird and hilarious at the same time the one get only raj Polly, with his going a bit too far into supporting bernadette while she goes through her pregnancy and i know it was stupid slapstick humor but the scene where raj was trying to get the gigantic teddy bear got off howard's house made me laugh we also Got some good plots from Sheldon that gave some comedic promise to both seeing him and spend a weekend in the woods and playing Never Have I Ever. And for the most part, playing the, play the game aspect came through on the comedy, but I wish they would have done more with Sheldon facing the great outdoors instead of creating another boring argument between Leonard and Penny. You guys who listen to the podcast regularly know we hate when writers do this domestic stuff, saying they need to keep the focus on Sheldon, but this is really the first time they've done it all season compared to all the time last season. So I guess I'll just roll with the punches on this and okay, move on. Nico, what was your thoughts. God, this week's episode out, oh, the big guy came
1: in. Dan, I agree that the Penny and Leonard stuff could have ruined this episode, but luckily it wasn't blown too far out of control and ended up being very mild compared to our issues with it previously and a lot last season. But the best part of the episode, you're, you're absolutely right, were Raj's inappropriate comments and Sheldon and Amy's never have I ever competition on the couch, with the most scandalous thing Amy had ever done was pushing all the buttons on the elevator. <laughs> I think this show missed a huge opportunity by having Sheldon, Amy, Penny, and Leonard go to the cabin, but not head out into the woods the whole concept of getting lost or having to use survival skills would have been fun to see, but rather they played it too safe and stayed in the cabin, expecting the concept of going to the woods and not going outside to be funny enough to carry the premise. Unfortunately, it wasn't. Not a bad episode, but they definitely missed an opportunity to do something different and make the episode different from being at the apartment. It was essentially moving the whole show from one indoor location to another, and I think that's a missed opportunity. An outdoor location might have added to the the humor and the fun of this episode.
0: Especially after the success of the episode where the guys got stranded in the woods and had to come replace the flat tire. Yep. So that would have worked perfectly. Plus, there were some great jokes. Got some great build-up to that happening. Chris Sheldon in the car talking about going off the grid and some of that stuff.
1: Yeah, when he had been off the grid for a whole minute or two, it took yeah. from his phone dying to getting his iPad up and running. Yes. That was the one time he was off grid. Oh, that was pretty funny. So I'm like, oh, we're in for some funny yep. go-to-the-wood stuff and then that just didn't happen.
0: Yep. All right. So with that, we're going to dive into the closing for this episode. Okay, listen closely because we're adding some new shows to go reviews and changes and things on. So pay attention to that. And also, Vico's going to triumphantly announce the return of his dad Bill to the show, which we're excited to have him back and doing stuff for us.
1: Yeah, on our next week's episode, Dan and I will continue our reviews with an episode of Fear the Walking Dead, Castle, and our sitcom section including New Girl and Modern Family. And don't miss Bill and I rejoining the Clone Club with the season premiere of Orphan Black. Also, DC Nation will continue with Gotham, Supergirl, and DC Legends of Tomorrow, so make sure to rejoin us for the DC Nation podcast as well. Also, be sure to keep an eye out for Dan, Nikki, and Joshua doing the Marvelverse podcast and their coverage of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and keep an eye out for their special episode on Deadpool and another special episode on Daredevil coming out soon. But for now, we're going to roll our pre-recorded closing. Good
0: across the airwaves podcast network website across the airwaves.com again that's across the airwaves.com you can check out all of our podcast shows available as their own individual programs get in the itunes store get google play store guys for the podcast shows Color network we have the dc nation podcast located at com again that's com which reviews popular dc comics related tv shows and movies there's also the marvelverse podcast located at marvelverse podcast dotacrosstheairwaves.com. Again, that's Marvelverse Podcast dotacrosstheairwaves.com, which reviews Marvel comics, related TV shows, and movies. Again, we also have Thronescast, our podcast dedicated to reviewing episodes of HBO's Game of Thrones, which is available at the website Thronescast dotacrosstheairwaves.com. Again, that's Thronescast In addition to these programs, you can listen to the original Across the Airways podcast, which is accessible at acrosstheairwaves.com, which reviews TV shows not related to superheroes. Game of Thrones like The Walking Dead Doctor Who Star Wars Rebels Supernatural and more including sitcoms such as The Big Bang Theory got The Muppets Also, you can listen to Across the Airways the DC Nation podcast Thronescast the Game of Thrones podcast got the Marvelverse podcast got the Mixed Radio Station Code by Jack Stifles, Stitcher Radio Or if you use Apple devices download the Podcast Box app got if you're on a Windows or Android device you can download our apps from the Amazon Marketplace got the Windows Marketplace got a regular Windows or Windows Phone app Because for how you can contact us to give your own listener feedback, got a TV show's re review, provide suggestions on how we can improve your podcast listening experience, or just want to say do you like what we're doing? Email us at CrossTheAirwaves, got get us across the airwaves Comment on our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter, got across their waves. There's no thought in there. It's just across their waves. Join our circle, guy Google Plus, or leave us a voicemail by calling seven seven three 809 3363 Could get it seven seven three 809 3363 Call so sending us an email Please mention which podcast show you're directing the message to. Get the subject line. Give you are sending us a listener feedback you want us to read. God the air. I would also recommend that you check out our YouTube page, which features trailers for upcoming movies, get television events. Along with this content, the ATA YouTube channel is a great source for panels from past Comic Con. It will be a great resource to find videos related to the Comic Con taking place in San Diego this summer. To go along with our Comic Con special. All right, so once again for our gather ATA podcast host, Nikki Amy Wu Kim. Come on Jay Penny. I'm Dan Schmitz. And I'm Nico Repstick. get Get until our next fabulous episode. We will catch you guys God the airways. See you guys. Have a great week. And uh hope you enjoyed your right on the love boat with Fear the Walking See ya. Love. Exciting and new. Come aboard. We're expecting you and love. Life's sweetest reward. Let it flow. It floats back to you. The love boy. Soon we'll be making another. This is something for everyone. Set a course for adventure, your mind on a moon and love won't hurt anymore. It's an open smile.